This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. specifically talking about how emotional intelligence is, how it impacts UX, why it's important to UX, what some of the challenges are that are managed or handled through our development of our emotional intelligence levels, things of that nature. And last week, I spent time talking about what I call EQ red flags, and we use the acronym EQ to refer to emotional intelligence. It, technically, it stands for emotional quotient, uh, but just so people understand what, what we mean when we say EQ. But the EQ red flags in particular, those we, we provided a list of different behaviors, traits, things that you will see that are an indication that if you're looking at yourself and you see those particular things, that let you know that there's something that's lacking in you, something that needs to be developed. If you see it in your team or you see it in another individual, then you may need to manage it. It's something that will put you on alert. You cannot engage with people that are emotionally uh, intelligent, deficient without having the need to manage or be aware of those things because depending upon how intense or how intentional it might be, it could really make things difficult for you and with those types of things being at work in your environment or or in close proximity to you, if you're not aware of those things, uh, it could definitely make your work and your life quite difficult. So it's really, really important to understand EQ. One of the things that we've been talking about as a whole throughout this series is how the more emotionally intelligent we are as user experience professionals, the more successful we will be because it basically helps to drive our ability to interact with other people. It helps us to be aware of our uh, where we are, where we currently stand, our, our self-awareness. It's something that helps us to be in a position where we know where we need to grow. We know what we know. We know what we don't know, things of this nature. And there was one factoid that I have not shared that I was just reminded of when I delivered my talk on emotional intelligence, one of the uh, benefits of emotional intelligence that a lot of people miss out on and very few people are uh, a share at all when the topic is discussed is that people who are emotionally intelligent actually make more money. 
<laughs> what a motivator, what a carrot to dangle to try to encourage people to be more emotionally intelligent. Emotionally intelligent people bring more value. They help to put out fires. They help to to uh, everyone to have a, a, a mindset of focus instead of maybe panicking or making the wrong decisions or moving too rashly. Emotional intelligence is just such a huge benefit. When we talked about the red flags, however, and I'll give you that list again, because we're going to continue that uh, for this week and for another week or two, actually beyond this, jealousy, fear, detrimental ambition. And when I say that, it means that people are willing to get ahead at the expense of others. People who engage in denial, people who deflect, they hear something or something happens. And instead of dealing with what's said, they talk about the other person or they try to get everybody to focus on something or someone else, anything but that individual. Instead of dealing with what's <laughs> facing them, uh, that is an EQ red flag. Arrogance, and then we gave several definitions of arrogance. In short, it's basically unjustifiable confidence or putting yourself on the pedestal and putting other people down. That's arrogance in general. Trolling, behavior where people just pursue people or engage for the express purpose of just being um, agitated, just causing problems, just just getting under people's skin. No real purpose to it beyond that other than just to be a pain and trolls are a pain. But when you're emotionally intelligent, you do not engage in trolling. So that's really critical. Inferiority complexes, seeing the skills, acumen, accomplishments of others, and then failing to, two things, failing to embrace, recognize, or celebrate those people but then feeling uh, a lack of self-worth about yourself just because of what somebody else brings to the table. What somebody else brings to the table has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. And if you come across people and they're really accomplished and they've done quite a bit, celebrate them, ask them if there's anything you can do. Do something so that those people can bring you up higher. Don't, don't put yourself down. We all came from somewhere. We all had to develop. We all had to grow. When it comes to UX, there was a day when all of us were entry-level UX people. And many of us were were no longer entry-level UX people. So people grow. People change. People have times where we have uh, self-doubt. We go through growing pains, all these different things. So it doesn't really pay to look at yourself as an inferior just because you lack something. That's just part of growth. It's part of the maturation process. So there's absolutely no big deal there whatsoever. Incivility, we talked about that, demeaning, devaluing other people, um, treating other people in an inhumane manner. Uh, and, and, and those were like the main nine. And then I talked about, from a bonus item perspective, operating in Dunning-Kruger, having more confidence than one ought. That's, that's a lack of self-awareness, so that's a, a big problem. And we also talked about parroting. We talk about where people hear a buzzword or they hear a term and then they begin to act as if they know what it is and they or they just regurgitate what they heard someone else say. These are all EQ red flags. There, there are several more. This is by no means an all-inclusive list, and we're not trying to exhaust it. We're just trying to help everybody to think 
and to bring this to the forefront of people's minds. But EQ red flags are such an issue. What I want to do today in, in this part as we continue the discussion on EQ red flags, I want to share some stories. And we're going to continue this next week, and I have some guests that will be on with me next week, and we'll all be talking about this at, at length, a little, little bit of talk and shop again, but focusing on the issues associated with EQ red flags because it presents problems for us, a lot of them. So I'll elaborate for the remainder of today's episode, and then we'll talk about it again with, the, with my guests. EQ red flags, again, when there's a problem, when somebody lacks EQ at a personal level, that means that the individual, you, me, anybody else for that matter, when a person lacks regarding EQ, one of the main thing that's going to happen with that, one of the main problems that occurs is that person's ability to grow to mature in the discipline is going to be stunted. It's going to be pretty much shut down. And one of the main reasons for that is because there is a lack of self-awareness. Now, this is one of the things that's really interesting about this is that when you talk to people, everybody says they want to grow. But when you provide someone with what is called constructive criticism, and I want to point something out about that because a lot of people claim that they're giving constructive criticism, but they fail to see that constructive criticism builds. I believe I talked about this on one of the other segments. When someone gives you something that helps you to build who you are, helps you to renovate, to take down something that shouldn't be there, and put something else in its place, just use that, that metaphor. When somebody gives you something to build, that is constructive criticism. It's critical for us to understand that all constructive criticism is not going to make us feel good when we hear it. It will, however, help us to develop and we'll be happier down the road. Nobody is happy when they find out they have a shortcoming about that shortcoming. Nobody is happy when they've made a mistake. Nobody's happy about that mistake. It doesn't make you feel good, but to learn about it, to understand how to improve in that area, that is worth its weight in gold. And the thing is, if a person lacks emotional intelligence, you won't have the ability to embrace that. So self-awareness, if, if I, like I mentioned myself once, I believe on, on another episode, that I have never had the opportunity to do UX work when it comes to augmented reality or virtual reality. So if I was in the arena where I was doing that work for the first time, then I would have to really be in a position, knowing that I don't know these things, I would have to be in a position where I'm willing to take on any constructive criticism that comes my way that helps to guide me. Now, for the people who are giving that constructive criticism, uh, <laughs> and it's some things I've seen over the course of my career, many people will just qualify anything that they say as constructive. And that, uh, folks, is not necessarily the case. I remember I was, I don't have a ton of experience. There's another thing, Just I'm just being transparent and sharing some things about me to help everybody digest this today. I do not have 
a ton of experience running design sprints. I just don't. It, it was something that came along later in the world of UX. It's something that because of where I have worked and the types of projects we were working on and the ways that we were getting things done, it wasn't something that I had a lot of time to develop. Now, I do have a ton of facilitation experience. So I'm able to use my facilitation experience anytime that I need to run a design sprint. I can use that facilitation experience to help me get where I need to go. Not faking it until I make it, but understanding how these these sessions are to be moderated, understanding how they are to be managed, understanding how to direct the energy of what the team is doing in these settings, I can apply myself and I can get a pretty decent job done. Now, however, because I know that this is not necessarily a strong suit with me, somebody may offer me advice or they may see something that they think will help. And I've been through that in the course of my career, but when you are giving somebody advice, you have to make sure in order for something to truly be constructive, you have to understand where that person that you are giving the constructive criticism to, you have to understand where they currently are operating. You have to know what their current strong suit is. You need to understand what their personal makeup is because folks, some people don't know this, you cannot try to motivate a self-starter. If you try to motivate a self-starter, what you think is constructive criticism will quickly and easily become destructive criticism because you're not taking certain things that they are bringing to the table. You're not building on where they already exist. So true construction builds on what's already there. So that calls for emotional intelligence. There, there's another one of the, the, the uh, places where emotional intelligence fits. So whether you're giving the, the critique, whether you're giving the constructive criticism, or whether you're receiving it, both parties need to be as emotionally intelligent as possible in order to optimize that setting. Otherwise, somebody who's giving the advice will trip will give the information the wrong way, will say the wrong thing, will say something inaccurate, will engage in condescending rhetoric, and that's going to defeat the whole purpose. So just to, just to throw a, a couple of things out there, I, I had somebody do that to me once, and they weren't considering anything. And, and then here's the other part that's, that's really great from an emotional intelligence perspective as well. And I know I've talked to a ton of people that encounter what I'm about to mention to you. When you receive what is meant to be constructive criticism, when the person giving you the advice actually does mean well, but they don't necessarily engage the right way, the more emotionally intelligent you are, the better of a position you'll be in to look past the errors in their methodology. You'll be able to look past the flaws in their presentation and then the way that they're addressing you, identify the truth and the value that is contained within what they're saying and still get something out of it. When people are not that emotionally intelligent, they get caught up in the method, they get caught up in the tone of voice, they get caught up in the lack of tact, and then they want to dismiss everything, even though the things that the person is saying 
may be very, very accurate and very, very useful. So there's another emotionally intelligent challenge for you. So a lot of different things go on. We're all, we're all exposed to different things on several angles or from several, several angles, I should say. And these are all things, if we're going to excel uh, in UX, we need to make sure, again, that EQ is in place and that we're always paying attention to our level of emotional intelligence and always committed to growing our level of emotional intelligence because it just makes us better. It helps us to deliver better. It helps us to receive better, and it helps us to manage better. Now, I did say I was going to share a couple of stories today uh, and just building on the information we shared about about EQ red flags. There are some things that I've heard because I talk to people all over the world, and I've heard all kinds of stories uh, things that people are sometimes they're frustrated and they need to talk to somebody and I hear their stories. I, I, I have experienced a lot of things. There are things that I've just seen happen to other people. And when I sit down and I experience these things or somebody tells me about these things or I witness these things, I always make it a point to go back and, and reconcile them. I, I always make it a, a point to go back and try to digest what actually occurred. And I mean, we do it all the time. Don't we do, don't we reconcile things when we have lessons learned, when we're doing agile work, we sit back and we say, okay, what went well? What didn't go well? What should we do differently? This is a time where we need to look at the lessons that have been learned during our experiences build on those things, and then look to optimize our operation and make things better. That's an emotionally intelligent mode of operation in and of itself. So I'm going to give you three stories in the time that we have left on today really, really quickly just to show you what some of the challenges are like out here in the world of user experience and how we can handle these things so that we can come out on top. Okay, ready? Story number one. There was a person that was leaving one job and they were going to another. The person turned in their notice. And after the person turned in their notice, that uh, they gave their standard two-week notice, the team began to wish the person well. Of course, they began to inquire where the person was going, things of that nature. Those things are all fine, right? <laughs> when it also turned out, The person's boss was upset because the person was leaving. And do you realize that person's boss never said a single solitary thing to them between the time that they gave their notice and the time that they left? That's really sad, isn't it? And and these things will make you sad. They'll frustrate you when you when you hear these things now sort of do what I like to call freeze frame and let's look at this situation. Now, the person was leaving. They did the emotionally intelligent thing to do. They gave notice and notices vary. Some you Sometimes people give one week notice, people give two week notice, three weeks notice. The person did everything they needed to do. They communicated with people the right way. They didn't leave anybody on the team hanging. They did the work that they needed to do, gave all the appropriate downloads. They left with class and dignity. All of those things are the EQ way to do those things. Bravo for the individual that was in that situation. And like I said, 
All these stories are not me, and that was not me. This is not a story about me. But it really shocked the individual that the boss did not approach them, didn't talk to them, didn't talk to the person. Of course, the exit interview doesn't take place with, with the boss or anything like that. But the person that was leaving was on the ball when it came come to emotion when it came to emotional intelligence, I should say. But the boss was not. Now, when a boss <laughs> lacks emotional intelligence, you, you can probably guess how the work flowed in that environment. Uh, there were a lot of bad decisions that were being made. There was little to no attempt to optimize the user experiences that they were delivering. There was just a lot of things that were going on that were not what should be best practices in the way that a team should be run. Now, the reason why I mention that is because I'm sort of reverse engineering. And yes, when I had the conversation with the individual, these things came up as well. That was part of the reason that the person wanted to leave because things were not being done properly. And it shows when the work wasn't being done properly, the team was not being engaged with the right way. The person actually didn't, the boss didn't talk to the person a whole lot even before that, not not in a truly, completely fruitful manner. So when the team is not engaging the way that they should, when the team doesn't have or, or is not taking the time to build the relationships within the team, you know if you don't build the relationships right within the team, which does take EQ, now what's going to happen is, how are you going to build relationships as a team? How are you going to build relationships with your stakeholders and with your clients if you don't even have a good relationship within your team? It starts within the team and it requires EQ. EQ is an absolute necessity in order to optimize your team dynamics, your UX team dynamics. And you know what? People leave and they're human beings and they have every right to do that, and people are going to do, and they should do, what's best for them in any given situation, which is also the EQ thing to do. But for a boss to go into a bitter mode, and that's another one of the EQ red flags that I didn't mention, where just bitter, bitter. How in the world, since when is bitterness a way to operate? Since when is bitterness uh, a, a desirable trait? And to not speak with someone when they're leaving is a very low-class, non-EQ way to do things. So just, you know, real quick, just snapshots. The team wasn't operating properly. It led to attrition because they weren't doing the work right, and the leader wasn't engaging the right way. And then the leader just, just really just made matters worse by not engaging in a diplomatic and a professional manner as the person was leaving the team. So, you know, make sure your relationships are together. Wish people well. As much, you know, I hate to see you go, but I'm happy for you. That's where we should be. And remember, part of strong EQ is that we're genuine. So when you're someone is leaving and they're going to leave, uh, when someone is leaving, just wish them the best. And, and, yeah, we hate to see you go, and we hate to have to divvy this work out. But you know what? That's life. That's the way things go, and we move forward. So that proper EQ mindset is is something that we need, 
And you want to beware of those EQ red flags because it will lead to people leaving your team. And yeah, you will have uncomfortable uh, uh, interactions with different people, whether it's the boss or someone who's under you or a peer, whatever it might be. Uh, these things just happen. So let's just be ready to, to uh, manage these things as they occur. Story number two. There was once a person who was doing some work on a huge project. Um, the team had not really hired someone who had a lot of prior UX experience. They brought a UX person who had a ton of experience in on their team. And the first thing that they did was hand this person a really a pinnacle project, a really huge project. The person started off the project by doing a heuristic analysis. Uh, the heuristic analysis was shared with the team. The team thought that the, the immediate team thought that the broader team needed to see the results from this heuristic analysis. And so they set up a meeting and the person who performed the heuristic analysis came forth and gave the presentation from my understanding, 45 to 50 pages worth of heuristic findings to share with the team to help to shape the redesign of the of a particular website, a particular learning website, it was. And it turned out, this is just a little bit of backstory on this one, it turned out that the C-suite was invited to the meeting and the person had no idea, it didn't matter, but the person had no idea. They, they found out later, actually. It turned out that the C-suite had not supported the UX team prior to that. They had not really bought in to UX prior to seeing this presentation. And they were so surprised, pleasantly surprised. They were so happy to see somebody talk about UX in terms that they could understand. And they could understand all the different findings and recommendations and how that was going to shape this multi-million dollar project and product. And so they were just, they were, they were doing backflips. So every, the team you would think would be happy, right? No, inferiority complexes abounded. Bitterness came in the play. Jealousy, some of those EQ red flags that I was talking about began to rear its ugly head. Envy, another one that, which is akin to jealousy, uh, start to rear its ugly head. And so instead of people rejoicing, hey, this person is a part of our team. I'm happy this person is on our team. Instead of having that mindset, two of the people began to fight against that individual. They began to try to gaslight the individual. They began to try to slander the individual, the incivility, that, that EQ red flag. They began to play all types of games to the extent this person as they went forth and began to come up with more recommendations to, to uh, work on the redesign and to hand things off to the development team, one of the people that was trying to make the person look bad and was setting traps and doing all other kind of weird, ridiculous thing. I mean, who has time for that? And people who do that obviously aren't working, uh, not, not too much, and that turned out to be the case uh, in this instance as well. The person who was doing the work conducted usability testing, remote usability testing, had all the findings, understood what was going on, made tweaks based on the feedback, provided all the data to the team. Everything was just moving along really, really well. But one of the people who wanted to make that person look bad 
and had been found out, had been going to management, to the manager, to the leader of that team, trying to say and do things, trying to incriminate and, and, and trying to slander and trying to, to, to uh, defame that individual, decided to conduct their own usability testing. <laughs> they wanted to conduct their own usability testing, not because they were trying to evaluate the application. They weren't even working on that project. The whole purpose that this person did that was because they wanted to, they hoped that they would find flaws, that the usability testing would reveal a ton of flaws, and then they would be able to come back and say, see, this person needs to be fired, and yada, yada, yada. The person went, conducted this. They weren't even on the project, shouldn't have been doing any usability testing, didn't actually even know how to conduct usability testing, (laughs) which was also funny. Conducted the testing, and whatever they did came back, and it was just a huge, <laughs> they were floored because everything went well. They thought they were going to find a bunch of flaws. They were hoping to find a bunch of flaws. But instead, it, they was, it was confirmed that the design was in very good shape, especially by the time the person did the testing. All types of tweaks had been done, and they were already going to the development stage. So they weren't going to development until it had been proven that the team was on the right track. And the person came back to the, the person who did the subsequent usability testing came back to the person they were trying to defame and told them, oh, I did the testing and everything came out great. They really loved the design. And the person that they were uh, trying to attack uh, (laughs) just looked at them and nodded their head and just went on. So, in this particular instance, you see all the EQ red flags, but I'm hoping you also see how the person that was under the duress was handling the situation. I'll give you some insight if you didn't already. The person did not get bitter behind it. The person did not, even though it was personal, this is one of those cases people say, you shouldn't take it personally. In this situation, it was personal, and I'll let you in on it. This one happened to me. <laughs> so, the people were trying to make me look bad, but I didn't, you know, I mean, I understood what they were doing, things of that nature. Does it bother you? Yes. When these types of things happen to you. And I know a lot of people who experience things like this. Does it, does it frustrate you? Yes. It frustrates you. Uh, uh, can it, can it, uh, hurt you trying to sleep at night? Uh, at times, yeah, it depends on what's going on. Yeah, it can. I've heard stories about that has happened to me uh, over the course of my career that we experience uh, uh, treatment, maltreatment to that extent that it can and that it does. But you know what? I had already done my absolute best. I had already put my best foot forward when it came to the design. I I labored to generate fantastic uh, 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 relationships with the team and to make sure that I had a good relationship or I keep twisting my words here, (laughs) a good reputation with the team as well uh, because I understood that that was a part of making everything go, making the whole project tick, that it wasn't just about the work, but it was about the relationships and the communication and things like that. So I didn't let what this person did get in the way. I didn't, I didn't, uh, get into a situation where I was going to have a vendetta 
against this individual. If somebody else is going to behave in a non-EQ oriented fashion, I'm not going to join them. That would be the non-EQ thing to do. So I, I kept my head. I kept my cool. I didn't get bitter. I, I didn't have any issues with the individual. I spoke to them. I was cordial. I was professional. And, and when you do things like that, especially in the face of hardship, that is how you come out on top, folks. They didn't win. And the project that I redesigned was a huge success. And it was not impacted by any of those non-EQ things. So, on to story number three. And this one's going to be about me as well. I might as well go ahead and just tell you. So, we're working on a new vehicle that was being revealed uh, at an automotive company. And, And when you work at a creative agency and a new vehicle is coming out, anytime that happens, there's always a reveal and there's a launch. And there was usually a microsite, so it's separate from the full website, but they have this little site that is, for those of you that don't know what a microsite is, it's like a site within a site, and it's all revolving around one specific purpose or one specific product, things of that nature. So we were going to have a a reveal where we're letting people know that this vehicle is coming, and we're going to tease the vehicle a bit. That's really what, what a what a reveal project is like. And then there's the launch right before the vehicle is available for purchase. Then there would be another website. And that at that time we would get into all the details and do a little bit more. And, and we're preparing people to get ready to hopefully come forth and then spend their money on the project that's being presented. Now, when we were working on the project initially uh, at that company, of course, the way that, that design works, no matter what process you're engaged in, there's always the requirements. We need to understand exactly what it is that we're setting out to do. And we did. And I got all of the information. So I knew what we were trying to deliver. I knew about our users. I knew how we needed to represent everything. I got all of my ducks in a row. I put together the wireframes. I presented the wireframes to the team. And and at that time, we outsource part of the work to an external agency and the external agency, which of course would be nameless. And I don't even know if they still exist anymore, but that agency uh, was in the meetings. Everybody understood where we were going. Everybody gave their thumbs up to the wireframes. I know people don't use wireframes a lot anymore, but at the time we did just in case somebody, cause some troll is going to come back and say something to me about that. Cause again, remember trolling is not EQ. So they're going to nitpick and, and they're just silly, just identifying who they are. But at any rate, they, everybody gave the thumbs up. Everybody knew where we were going. Everybody had their marching orders, but the external agency decided to do their own thing. Now that's problematic because we had already agreed on everything and they decided to change the 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 way that the interface was structured and they had some weird little thing that was happening with cursors when people would mouse over things that people were not familiar with and long story short the reveal site failed it didn't fail because we failed to to digest and and align things with the requirements to a great extent the third-party agency got a little uh, too overly excited, and they kept wanting to do new things. And they, the interactive elements, the interaction design, 
was where the failure took place because people couldn't, they didn't know where their cursor was. They didn't know how to navigate and they couldn't find anything. And it was because they, they pretty much did their own thing and nobody, uh, I, I couldn't really tell them what and what not to do at that time. And so it just, it turned into a big mess. We got together uh, to work on the, the launch site. We knew that the first site failed. We knew that the reveal site did not work. It probably got them, a, at the time, a Flash Website of the Week award, but that was about it. The users were left in the cold. The users were the losers in this setting, and that was not good. Nobody wanted that. So now it's time to get ready for the launch. We went through the same exact process. I did the same exact thing, except I had some learnings from the first project. I knew, I had data that let me knew why the reveal site failed. And I worked those things into the launch site because I was determined that that was not going to happen with the launch site. Put together the wireframes, we went through the exact same process people were going out to different places to do shoots to develop video to put on the site so they could see this vehicle and how it lined up with other vehicles just a whole lot a whole lot of money went into it and a whole lot of work went into it and everybody was ready to sign off on it and the same third-party agency was there and they gave their thumbs up again and the product owner stopped before everybody went and development got started and he said, you know what? Everybody really did a lot of hard work last time, but we weren't successful. One thing I want to make sure we do this time is that we want to make sure that we do exactly what Darren has, has recommended that we do because we want, to, we want to make sure that we achieve success and that we have a strong user experience. So he literally said, we're going to do what Darren wants us to do this time. And the first time, the EQ was critical for me, being strong from an EQ perspective, because I knew they didn't really do what I recommended the first time around. That was really frustrating. I know a lot of us, I talk to people all the time, when you, you put your best foot forward, you do your research, you go through all the proper gyrations to make sure that everything in your user experience that you're putting together is sound and that it's beneficial, and, and then people will blow you off. They ignore you. They want to do something different. And, and it, it's frustrating when that happens. It's probably one of the biggest frustrations in UX when you know you've done your absolute best from a standpoint of recommendations and the way that you've documented things and the efforts you've put in to making sure that the user experience is strong only to be ignored or someone to say that that's your opinion and then they ignore you and they go a different way, a way that you know is not going to work those kinds of things are frustrating. That's another reason why we have to have thick skin in UX because it is not very often that we are heard. And in this project, this was one of those times where I was not heard. So I was frustrated, but I realized from an EQ perspective, I could not allow what happened the first time around to discourage me. A lot of people experience that and they throw their hands up. We're not order takers by trade. A user experience designer is not an order taker. But hence, when or, or when we get in these situations, 
some people throw their hands up and they become order takers because they're just tired of being rejected. They're tired of being ignored. They're tired of being told no. And so they just decide to become order takers, not knowing that that creates a problem for not just your project, but for your internal UX operation as a whole. So I, I was not going to let that change me. I was going to stand my ground. I was going to continue to advocate for the users. I was going to continue to do my absolute best. And it paid off in the long run. And thankfully, I had a product owner that was willing to stand up and do the right thing and did not want to fail the second time around. When we finished that project, because EQ, he was self-aware, the product owner was self-aware, the team became more self-aware. Even the third-party agency was self-aware and realizing, okay, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do that. I, I hear you, we're going to do it. And when it, and when a team comes together and operates from a strong EQ perspective, there isn't anything that your team can't accomplish because people are not trying to do things to satisfy self and they're not caught up in ego. They're trying to achieve things for the users, which is what we need to do. And if you want the business to be successful, make sure your users are taken care of in light of what the business goals and functions are. And when you take care of the users, the business is going to be successful because without the users, there is no business. So we were able to achieve a great deal of success I hung in there. I was frustrated to the nth degree, but I hung in there, and I'm glad that I did. I didn't know anything about EQ at the time. I'm mentioning these things in retrospect, but I did I did stay true to the cause, and I made sure to keep my eyes focused on the goal at hand, and it paid off. But there were lots of EQ red flags that were at work in the midst of that project the first time around, but by maintaining a focus on excellence, by making sure to be committed to the ethics of the discipline in UX and continuing to advocate and not allowing myself to be browbeat into a position of becoming an order taker, eventually we won. And the word was, after the fact, that became the most successful launch site in the history at that time of that automobile manufacturer, something I'm still proud of to this day. So there are just three stories, folks, that I just wanted to share about EQ red flags, what they're like, how real they are to, to be subjected to them, how it's important for us to maintain uh, a an operation that's as void of EQ red flags as, as we can possibly be, and making sure that we're always focused on the goal at hand, committed, because when we do, we're going to get more satisfaction out of the work that we do, and we're going to represent the discipline the right way. Our team's going to be happy. Your boss is going to be happy. The company's going to be happy. The users are going to be happy. And now we have represented the discipline the way that it deserves to be represented, and everybody wins. So, yeah, EQ red flags are a real thing, but let's just deal with them. We don't have to be subject to them. We don't have to become victimized by them, and everything will turn out all right in the end if we endure, if we hold on our point of focus. So that's all the time that we have for today, folks. I just thought it'd be good to share some of those stories with you. Again, on next week, we'll have a conversation with myself and a couple of guests and uh, to sort of bring a little bit more light to what we're talking about today. But until then, it is time to sign off. So this is your host, 
Darren Hood of the world of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.